Welcome to At The Whiteboard. I'm Nicole North and I'm your host. This season on At The Whiteboard, we're focusing on everything leadership, learning, and development. We have a ton of great guests ready to share their knowledge. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. Welcome to At The Whiteboard. I am your host, Nicole North, and I am so delighted to present our guest for today, Natalie Dumont. Welcome, Natalie. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. It is my pleasure. And so Natalie and I met. I found Natalie and seeked her out because I was really interested in Brene Brown's Dare to Lead leadership programming. And I had wanted to get certified, uh, but they weren't doing anything. And so I wanted to seek out other facilitators and find out what it was like. And I had this absolutely wonderful conversation. And, and Natalie and I now have, you know, quite a, quite a fun rapport and, and are hoping to work together at some point soon. But I would love you to tell us about yourself and what you do. Okay. Um, so yeah, I, I met you, I, what, a couple of months ago and, and we got to dig into, um, potentially working together and it's been great. And, uh, so my background is, was in human resources. That's where I got my professional start and I have changed into uh, leadership coaching now, uh, group facilitation and speaking. So that's, that's a gist of, of what I do now. And um, my, my, I guess my background also included um, getting to go and uh, train with Brene Brown on her research. So what I get to do now is bring her, her work here to Canada and teach people daring leadership, which has been fantastic. And then my main um, course I love teaching as well is on courageous conversations. So I love teaching groups or individuals how to show up more authentically in, in how they communicate, especially around feedback, how to give and receive feedback like a boss. So that's what I do now. And I, and I love it. I pinch myself every day that I get to do this work. So amazing. And now, am I remembering this correctly, that you are also in the book? Are you in Dare to Lead? I am. I, I got the opportunity to take my work um, on how to build feedback cultures and included into Brene Brown's book, Dare to Lead. Yeah. So I got to share my work that way, which was, it was a big moment for sure. That was, that was a great. <laughs> uh, legitimately whiteboard listeners. We have like one degree of separation. This is almost as good as having Brene right on the podcast. Oh. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm <laughs> quivering with delight. So, so delighted. Oh, it's, it's, no, uh, it was, it was a great opportunity and getting to meet her was uh, definitely a highlight, a fan, just like you, of her work and what she does for the world. So amazing. Like, what's the scoop? G- give us the scoop on Brene. H- how fabulous actually is she? Yeah, she is. She is fabulous. Like, you know, what really stood out to me when was just how, down to earth she is how she she lives by her work so she shows vulnerability she and she's just really real and honest um she was a great teacher uh, you know as a lot of you know she is a professor at the university of houston uh and as well as austin and she's a she's an amazing teacher and she just has this ability to lean into her own vulnerability and um yeah she's magical 
And I'm grateful that I live in a time where she exists. So um, she's absolutely fantastic. If you ever have an opportunity to go see her speak uh, or just watch uh, her on Netflix or any read her books, please do it. They're game changers. So her amazing. Podcast, and her podcast too is, is, is a standout. So, so good. Uh, yeah. And you know, uh, last season, um, my former business partner and I did a whole series of where we went through every chapter of Dare to Lead and kind of debriefed it and, you know, attempted to, to get Brene to respond to it every time we could. Um, <laughs> but we are just huge, huge fans here at Whiteboard. And I'm so thrilled to hear that she is as amazing as she seems, you know, nothing is worse than meeting someone you incredibly, you know, that you look up to or that you respect their work so much and that they don't embody and live by those values. So I'm delighted to hear um, that she is as fabulous as she seems. Yeah, from my experience, um, yeah, she she's great. Um, and she really has brought, uh, I think, a humanness to the workplace that we needed through her research. So I'm, yeah, I just pinch myself that I get to teach her work. It's, it's fantastic. I'm very much looking forward to the opportunity to either experiencing you teaching it or eventually getting certified myself. So that's definitely on my, on my bucket list. Yes. Um, so I would love to know from you because we have such similar alignment in what we believe. And, you know, I'm also super passionate about people being able to have difficult conversations, have important conversations, say hard things in kind and vulnerable ways that resonate with people. You know, all of those things are such uh, huge tenets of, of my training and my philosophy. What's the one skill you think the world needs to learn? Hmm. Yeah, great question. You know, I do a webinar talk and I was always like, how do I drill this down? And if there's one skill that I think would just open things up for so many people is curiosity. It is the ability to just ask questions, to learn more, gain insight about another person's perspective and how they view the world. Because um, you're, you know, as, as you know, my perspective is not the only perspective, right? My feelings are not the only feeling. So the more I lean into my own curiosity muscle and the, the better or the stronger the connection is with the other person. Um, I just, I, I think that's the one area that we need to, because strength and so many of us just want to be heard. We want to make our, our point or defend um, our position. Yet there's so much power and learning that can come from being curious. So I, I think if there's one skill, it's curiosity. I love it. And I mean, it, you know, it's a, an age old skill. Is it Dale Carnegie uh, <laughs> that says, you know, to be, to be interesting is to be interested. Yes. Um, and I've always loved that. I've always reflected on people that I met and been like, Oh, why did I enjoy that conversation so much? My sister-in-law is a perfect example. Mm. My sister-in-law, you'll sit down with her and she will ask, a hundred questions, but you don't feel interviewed. You don't feel anything. You literally don't even know until you come out of the conversation. And I'll have one of these moments where I'm like, did I ask Linda anything about herself? Or did I just spend the whole time talking about myself? But she just has this expert way of being really genuinely curious about things and how things 
made you feel? I mean, I remember she was talking to me about my, my relationship with my mother or something like that. And she said, that's so interesting. How did that feel for you? And hmm. it, it struck me as like, you know, it's such a basic skill that you would think all of us have. Yeah. But the, the skill of asking questions is tough. What tips do you have for people to ask these questions that make them, and I don't want to say make them sound genuinely curious, but sometimes you need to practice sounding curious before you can find your authentic curious self. It's true. Like, I think a lot of us get stuck in our, in our own thoughts and we worry about ourselves majority of the day, right? We, we get caught up in our own stuff, but people are fascinating. Their stories are fascinating. Their thoughts are fascinating. Their feelings are fascinating. Um, and, and so if you kind of go in with that intention, it, 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 it kind of shifts your mindset, right? A lot of us get like, oh, what are they thinking about me? <laughs> and it's, it's the opposite. It's like, what, you know, what do you want to learn about them? Um, and so one of the tips we learned, you know, as a coach is, is how to ask what we call powerful questions. How do you open up the space to invite the other person into the communication? And so what we were trained to do, and this takes practice, is asking um, questions that start with the word what. And you, you, you nailed it with your sister-in-law. You know, what did, what, what did that feel like for you? What was that like for you? Um, what, what do you think is possible from, from here? What would you want to do next? What's your intention going forward? you can ask these really powerful questions that just start with the word what that really just invite the other person to share. Um, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say what questions. Um, one of my favorite phrases is also tell me about, um, tell me about that experience or tell mm -hmm. me how that felt. Um, just those words sometimes inspire more than just an answer. Yeah, they inspire uh, a story. And yeah. that's how you can really start to, to learn about people. So I'm I'm 100,000% on the same page with you. Yes. And so, you, you know, tone matters, right? Uh, one of the things we I teach in my workshop is, is, you know, watch tone, I could say, you know, I could say those questions in a, in a you know, really angry, like, tone of like, well, what was that like for you? And it's going to change the response, right? But uh, the other thing, a lot of the times we like to ask the questions that start with why, like, why, why did you do that? And why questions are great. However, why can have this interesting ability to invoke defense, uh, defensiveness in people. Yes. So when we were trained as coaches, it, we weren't allowed to use that word for a long time. Now we can, but it's just like, we were taught to use the word what. So if you're just starting out, give yourself a challenge and, and ask everybody in your family or people you work with, just, you know, what was that like for you? What were you hoping to, to achieve? Or what was the intention? Or you can ask those questions and they become relatively easy and then they just become normal. But tell me more is a powerful one too. It's my go-to when I don't know what to say. <laughs> tell me more. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's interesting. Tell me more about that. It's a, it's a great one. It sure is. And it, it's also really helpful when someone hasn't answered your question. So right. as leaders, we know the impact that we have on others, right? It is very powerful. I always say that leaders are in, you know, it's a very difficult position for many reasons. And one of which is you are in the spotlight. You are 
your words are magnified. Your words are on a loudspeaker in people's minds, right? You're their boss. You're responsible for their livelihood. You're responsible for their success. So the words you choose matter. Mm -hmm. And so when you ask questions like, why did you do it that way? You know, sometimes, especially with newer team members or team members who aren't feeling very confident or psychologically safe, and this is going to be a huge issue as we move into this new hybrid workplace and, and psychological safety. But, you know, you ask someone, you know, why did you do it that way? And they're going to start becoming defensive and coming up with all these things. So when we can use like, tell me more about that, it, it shows that I'm not asking for your justification I'm asking because I'm curious or I'm asking because I want to understand and I think that's such a powerful uh, you know this idea of curiosity having that power behind it why why am I asking questions Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to get your defense this isn't you know we're not on trial here right (laughs) I'm truly curious about how you did this you know, why you did it this way. And, and that comes from a place of, of genuine um, interest. Absolutely. And, um, and I think it, if you're feeling, you know, if you're on the receiving end of curiosity and you're starting to feel defensive, check in with that, you know, and, and it could be the tone that they're using and they could be asking the wrong questions for sure. But what I've come to learn from my own experience is if you're grounded, in what you did or you feel you know secure in what you did it the curiosity it shouldn't phase you right but if defensive and blame um come into play something's off if you're feeling judgment from the curiosity something something is off you're not feeling ground in that particular area that they're asking about um just something i've experienced myself and i was like i had to go and you know what coaches call the inner work and go and check in with why am I feeling so defensive when people ask me about that? Is it because I'm not secure in that area? So just something to watch if you're on the receiving end and you're taking curiosity as judgment, uh, blame. It's like, what, what's, what's, um, what needs some healing in that area? So interesting. And we had, you know, in a conversation we had a couple of weeks ago, I think we touched on this idea of people's sensitivities. And, you know, you know, I will certainly, you know, I am always a proud, a proud wearer of the feeling badge. I I definitely have this. I am sensitive. I require a lot of accolades and pats on the back. It's, you know, I I do try to work on it, but I'm certainly aware of what my needs are and I know how to ask for them. Um, But maybe we can touch on this idea of can we explore this a little bit more? Tell me more about what you mean on, we, we need to self-reflect on why we're feeling that way. Can we? Yeah. Dig? yeah. I totally stacked my questions, which is also a terrible way to be curious. As a side note, please don't I do the same questions. Thing. I'm like, oh, I want to know this, and then I want to know that. Um, so one of the things that I've learned about, I think my style uh, of coaching and teaching is like radical accountability and self-awareness. Because I believe the more that we can take accountability uh, and bring awareness into into who we are, we kind of we can take our power back, right? We're not sitting there worried about what they're going to say and how they're going to say it and the judgment we think that they might be having towards us. We know that 
we can take whatever we receive and, and, and process it. Right. A lot of people are, um, uh, afraid to take in feedback or have hard conversations because they're, they're feeling like they might get hurt. Right. So what I mean by, you know, being able to do this is just have a radical accountability for how you're showing up, having the ability to look at your own emotions and be able to process them. So you have to ask yourself questions like, why did that bother me? What was it about that, that I need to look at? Um, because you can have all the feelings, like all feelings are, are good, like there's no bad feelings. But if you aren't having, you know, emotional literacy or the emotional maturity to process them or the consciousness to process them, then that's when we get a lot of people, you know, you know, not talking to each other or blowing up at each other or being passive aggressive with each other or politicking and all the negative toxic things that can happen in the workplace or at home or in our communities that really just breed disconnection. So I'm of, I'm of the belief of let's have radical accountability and awareness of ourselves because at the end of the day, all you can control is how you show up. So if you can process what anybody, you know, shares with you, and not walk around getting offended all the time or wanting to blame everybody or deflect, then it's really a powerful position to be in. It, it, it's a game changer because you're not worried about everybody else at the time. All you're, all you're focused on is processing your stuff. Does that make oh, sense? It, it totally, it totally makes sense. And it is, it's the reason that, you know, I, I have felt that, coaching as a leader is like the number one skill. If, if, if I could teach every leader that I come across how to coach others and, and, and allow people to be self-reflective. And if I could get every leader to recognize that they also should have a coach that's coaching them. You know, I, recently I um, had a coach and I found it so amazing to help me unpack emotions that I was having in response to someone. And it was it was really quite wonderful. And, it, you know, it was very revealing, you know, why was I having these feelings? And it's like, ultimately, it came down to me having some ego about something. And if yeah. you had asked me a year ago, do you have ego? I'd be like, I have zero ego. None. Right. Like, I am so the first one to be like, yes, absolutely. You're right. I'm wrong. Like, I'm, I have no ego in that sense. And, you know, it was through a coaching exercise that helped me realize like, oh, I have some ego. And that is why I am pushing back on this front. That's so interesting. That's why I'm having these emotions. That's why I'm, I'm rumbling with this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we all have ego. Absolutely. And it shows up in, in, in different ways. Um, and when it gets hurt or when someone says something that goes against our identity, you know, we'll react in a, in a certain way. Either we check out, right? Forget this. I don't care, you know, or we fight. Um, and um but the power is coming back from like, whew, why did that land the way that it did? Right. Um, and then, you know, I'm not saying every, you know, some people are mean, some people are jerks, right? Like, and, and then that's your decision whether or not they get to, you know, be in, in your space. But at the end of the day, if this is one of the things I said to you is I just find that there's this narrative right now of everybody being offended. Like, yeah, it's like, I'm offended by that. It's like, why, you know, let's, let's do the work on ourselves and actually start to process why, instead of, you know, just yelling at the other person. 
what is it that is so offensive to you? What is it that is hurting you about that comment? You know, what can you, is there anything you can learn from that? Those are some of the things that, you know, I've been doing myself and I work with my clients on because that's, again, it's taking your own power back. There is such magic to self-awareness. And I, I think uh, as a leader, you cannot lead others until you understand the value of self-awareness. So when you understand yourself, your triggers, your emotions, your ego, your reactions, mm -hmm. your experience, like all of these things bundled up into your collective uh, experience and personality, um, it is only through that understanding and reflection that you can effectively lead someone else and create a psychologically safe place for them and create a place for them to be coached and, and have this self-awareness and understand how people react. I think it's so, so critical, so it critical is. to have that self-awareness. Yeah. One of the things that, um, that they, a coach told me is you can't take your clients where you haven't been or you're oh. unwilling to go. And I was just like, yeah. So that's what makes me always want to get more coaching and explore mm -hmm. more areas of myself that feel scary or unsure or, you know, I, I because I want to be the, I want to be better for my clients. So I know if I go and explore the areas that I feel are too scary or too vulnerable, that it'll benefit somebody along the way. So jump in. So yeah, you can't take your clients where you have not been yourself and the same for leadership. Um, because it'll be a rough go. And what usually happens is that's when ego kicks in or the imposter syndrome kicks in for people. And then they try to hustle to prove that they are a good leader. Um, but you're absolutely right on that. Yeah. And so I'd love to explore your thoughts on what's holding people back. Cause I, you know, I'm on clubhouse often. I'm having all these amazing conversations with my favorite leadership experts and I'm just like, yes, Natalie gets me. She understands me. Like, you know, I, I, I talk to these women, I'm like, yes, this is how leadership should be. And then you go look in an organization or you talk to someone internal to an organization. Uh, one of my favorite examples is uh, one of my very close friends uh, came to one of my courses many, many years ago. And she just said, yeah, this coaching stuff, it's cool. But like, I just don't have time to do this. Like, this is 10 questions that took me half an hour. It's a lot faster for me to just say, uh, you know, either do it myself or just say exactly how it needs to be done. And, you know, you, so what are some of the um, resistance areas or what holds people back from being in our, our nerdy L&D leadership mindset? <laughs> um, you know, and this is, this is definitely coming from Brene's work is the ability to lean into your own vulnerability of, you know, where are you at? Um, and I think that seems to be one of the skill sets that we're trying to change and what vulnerability actually looks like um, and the power behind it. So I, I think that's one area where people are avoiding, you know, when I first started out, when I came back from training with Brene, I remember, you know, I was on this high of like, all right, I'm going to go out there and change the world and teach everybody <laughs> about vulnerability and get people to understand that it is a power. And, and I remember like 
nobody wanted to talk to me about vulnerability in the corporate space. They're like, <laughs> yeah, but what is that? No, how does that affect the bottom line? And like, what does that really do? Like what are the tangible results and all this kind of stuff? And I sat here being like, but it works. I know it works. And then, so it, it was just understanding how vulnerability shows up in the workplace and being able to talk about accountability and trust and hard conversations and empathy and the things that, you know, happen in the workplace and the words that make sense. Right. But I think vulnerability is becoming more um, popular. People are starting to understand what it is and how to use it now. But I think we still have a long way to go um, with teaching people this particular skill. I mean, I, I've always said it's like, you know, you get promoted into a management position or you get hired into a management position. And with so many new managers, I see this, this look in their eye, this spark that says, I must know everything. Yes. I must know the answer to absolutely every question, problem, issue, scenario that comes across my desk. I will be a super manager. Like, you know, I, I am going to be the best manager. People are going to come into my office and it's like, how do you solve this? Bang, there you go. How do you solve that? Bang. You know, I'm just going to have everything resolved for them. And there is a fear, I think, especially in another, a lot of new managers, that vulnerability equals weakness or vulnerability equals lack of skill or vulnerability equals uh, some sense of unworthiness. Yeah. I, 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 and I don't know what, what your thoughts are. No, it's absolutely true. Like there's a bunch of myths that come around vulnerability. You know, one of the main myths is vulnerability is weakness. If I'm vulnerable, I'm leaving myself open for attack, right? People won't respect me or they won't like me or they'll, you know, if they know this about me, um, they won't want to, you know, be my friend or be my colleague or work on my team or however we're manifesting it. So we're, we've taught, we've taught this, you know, for generations that vulnerability is weakness, do not be vulnerable. But what the research is showing is that vulnerability is actually the biggest sign of courage. So when the research was being done on this particular topic, they did a lot of work with the military. And, you know, working with combat soldiers, they asked them, tell me a time when you had to go into the field, that vulnerability was not part of the job description. And vulnerability by definition is uncertainty, risk, and emotional exposure. Uncertainty, risk, and emotional exposure. So if you think about a soldier, every single time they go out into the field, they are experiencing uncertainty, risk, and emotional exposure every single time. Every police officer, firefighter, nurse, like all the people that we look at as heroes, as the most courageous, they do this every single time. So vulnerability is not weakness. It is actually the biggest sign of, of courage, right? And here's the other thing about vulnerability. It's the first thing we look for in another person because it's how we connect to them. It's how we can see their, their humanity, their humanness in the other person. But a lot of the time, it's the last thing I want to show you in me. Um, think about the movies you watch. When you're watching a movie, you're looking for the story. You're looking for the vulnerability in the characters or it's going to make a really boring story. So vulnerability is not weakness. It is the biggest sign of strength. And I think that's where leaders, individuals, they need to start doing this. And, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I decided to, you know, walk the talk myself and I was having a hard day. And 
you know, on the LinkedIn landscape, there's so much great content about, you know, success or, you know, you know, courage or just, you know, information or, you know, some humor and all this good stuff. But I didn't see anyone ever posting about the hard days, you know, when we go, we go through this, right? So I decided to be vulnerable. And I posted a picture of me crying. <laughs> and I had a vulnerability hangover, probably like, eight hours after I did it. I was like, Oh my God, why did I do that? People are going to judge me. People are going to think that I'm attention seeking people are like, I had all of what I call the itty bitty shitty committee come up. Like, oh my God. Right. But I just, I, I thought about deleting it so many times and I, and I was like, just let it sit. This might help just one person know that they're not alone. Like we're in a really hard, interesting time right now. Maybe just let one person know. And the post did quite well, and it seemed to resonate with a lot of people, which was fantastic. But vulnerability is about showing up, even when things are uncertain. You know that there's some risk, and there's going to be an emotional exposure to it, and knowing that you can walk through it anyway. So leaders need to lean into the skill because this is what breeds connection, and this is what will make their team stronger than ever before. I love it. I, I, I love it. And I'll, I'll, you know, I won't, I have a similar LinkedIn post that did very, very well. Um, when I talked about being very nervous to go in a particular facilitation exercise mm. and someone in my circle said, you can't post that you're going to appear like you don't know what you're doing or you don't know how to facilitate. Right. And I said, no, it wasn't really the point of my exercise. The point was, you know, I was incredibly nervous because I was incredibly passionate about what I was doing. Right. And I, I was so hung up on the success of it, that that was bringing out these emotions in me. It was very, very interesting. But it's, it's, it's true. People do want to see it. And so I'm gonna, I'm going off script now. I'm sure. gonna put you I have a question. And it's one that I use all the time in my facilitation. And it's what does it look like, sound like and feel like? And so sometimes for topics like vulnerability, where we use this word so much, I mean, I laugh because vulnerable is the favorite word of The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. I don't know if you if you watch those shows. Oh, is, and I haven't, no. Is that the word? Oh my gosh. They use it all the time. Like, I just want the people dating me to be more vulnerable. <laughs> and I mean, like after a while, the, the word vulnerable almost sounds comical right. because it like they, they, they're just constantly saying it and like, fum like fumbling with it. Like I want them to be vulnerable. vulnerable. <laughs> I need people to be more vulnerable. I was trying to be vulnerable and he didn't even go for it. You know, it's, I, I'm actually, I think it would be very funny. I will create some kind of hilarious um, edited clip. Well, yeah, or an edited clip of, of all the times that people in the bachelor stay vulnerable. Um, and I will attach that to this podcast somehow. Um, but sometimes it's really helpful for us to break down those like global concepts into like, what does it look like, sound like, and feel like? So what does vulnerability look like? So you can't hear anything. You're just watching with your eyes to you. What does vulnerability look like? It's hmm, a really good question. No right answer. Yeah. What does vulnerability just look like with your eyes? I'm just trying to think. It's it's a, it's an emotion. I think. Um, How does it manifest itself visually? Let's say let's talk Zoom calls. Right, the whole world is Zoom calls right now. What does yeah. vulnerability 
look like? Yeah, vulnerability is, I think it's, it's it, well, what does it look like? I know what it sounds like. <laughs> I know what it feels like. Um, I think, good question. I think it's when somebody shows up and leans into something difficult, even though that they, they don't want to, it's like, or they, they don't know what the outcome is. So it, it looks like, you know, applying for that job that you don't know if you're going to get, but you want, or asking that person out um, and not knowing how they're going to respond. Vulnerability is, you know, waiting for a doctor to call you back. And when you don't know the results, vulnerability is starting your own business and not knowing how it's going to go. So that's, that's what it can, it can look like, you know, vulnerability is, you know, launching your brand new website and hoping that somebody likes it. So there's, there's different ways that it, it can show up. If you were looking at me, if we were on video right now, we're on pure audio. Yeah. And we were having a conversation and I was sharing something and having a moment of vulnerability. Mm. What might my face look like or my body language? Mm. Um, well, there's usually some people cry. Um, that's one way that people show up. Um, a tightness in the shoulders, through the chest. Like um, you might be doing that. You might be fidgeting with your hands a little bit. You might not be making eye contact. Um, those are those are some of the signs that I see. You know, vulnerability. Yeah, it's it's it it can be very powerful feeling um, physically. But those would be some of the signs that I would see you doing. Yeah, and I was thinking it could probably go twofold. You could either see people kind of puff up and create a bit of a fake facade while they're vulnerable to kind of protect themselves. Or you could equally maybe see kind of a, a softness, like a am almost envisioning if I had to tell you something that made me feel really vulnerable, I might kind of cave in or my eyes might soften or I might have, you know, um, some worry on my face. So I, I love just exploring that because I think it helps sometimes this word vulnerability just doesn't mean anything, right? We toss it around, mm. but when we can start to like dig into like tactically, how does it manifest itself to our senses? We can kind of grasp onto it. So yeah. then if, if we just had, um, if we just had sound, what might you hear in someone's voice to what might vulnerable sound like? Uh, yeah, the first is just the quiver in their voice speaking up. Um, they could be really, they could be really soft spoken and quiet at first as they're trying to figure out their voice. Um, th those are th that's what kind of came to mind when you said, "What would I hear in their voice?" Or what I've experienced myself uh, the first time I, you know, taught a course that I was nervous about, or the first time I spoke up and said how I feel. Usually, there's that quivering in my voice, but I'm still speaking. I can still push through it. I love it. And then what does it feel like when you're vulnerable? Um, for, well, I'll speak for myself. Um, sometimes I, I get the, I'll shake. I know it sounds weird, but like when it's like an electricity pulsing, because it's kind of exciting, but scary and excitement and, and fear can feel the same. It's yeah. like this electric feeling of like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm doing this. I can't believe I'm going to post that. I can't believe I'm going to say it to that person. I can't believe I'm getting on stage like that. Or 
you know, or talking to this customer or whatever it is. Like it's this kind of electricity of, of nervousness because you feel exposed. Um, yeah, it's exposure. I love that. That's such an amazing, uh, thank you. Thank you for jumping into that with me. Cause I just think it helps people get what that means. Vulnerability doesn't mean crying. It doesn't mean sharing a sad story per se. It means opening yourself up to criticism, opening yourself up to not being perfect, opening yourself up to uh, being nervous, right? It's, it's all of those things. And so uh, I appreciate that kind of visual running through that. Um, so yeah. that's so one. Yeah, showing up and knowing that whatever happens, you're going to be okay, right? You're going you're gonna to learn from it. So just, just show up, right? Everybody need, we need everyone to show up as themselves and be okay with, you know, with whatever that is. So that's, that's one of the biggest um, takeaways with vulnerability for me is just show up. And the more that I practice vulnerability, the more I, I tend to like, it can just feel really exciting. I don't know how to describe it, but it's like, it, not that it's addictive. I don't want to say that it's addictive, but it's like, because it can feel hard, but every time I'm vulnerable, I build more connection with other people. And that feels amazing. Yes. So I love that answer. That's exactly what I was going to say is every time you are vulnerable, at least for me, I feel like I'm awarded with a gift. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in the case of, you know, our LinkedIn posts of vulnerability, you get likes. Um, but, you know, that's kind of high level. But I, I would say this idea of today, for example, I was on Clubhouse and I said, oh, I'm going to do a room on negotiation and influence. And so I go start talking about it and I realize it's actually not a topic area I know like a plethora about. Sure. And so at some point I had to be like, Hey guys, I actually need some help on stage here because I don't, I, I don't have this. And I was honored with like a bunch of people all coming up and saying this, this, and this, and Nicole, you've said this before. And I think this is connected. And it was like, you are, you get a gift every time you are vulnerable. Um, and it's the gift of connection, the gift of additional knowledge, the gift of um, sameness with others and building trust with others. So, you know, the ability to, to exercise vulnerability has rewards all the time. It does. And I think, you know, to the, the point you also made about it being confusing. So how does it look like and feel like and all that good stuff? One of the other things I'll point out is, you know, people are like, okay, great. I guess I got to do this vulnerability thing. <laughs> but <laughs> um, what does that really, what does that really mean? And one of the things I talk about in the, in, in the workshops is, vulnerability doesn't have to mean and and it usually doesn't mean full disclosure it's not like hi i'm natalie here's all my deepest darkest secrets from the past 40 years because that's a bit of oversharing right you don't want to be the over <laughs> so there's a, a firm line between vulnerability and oversharing right so i think that's where people are like okay great so i gotta walk around the office and like cry every day or tell everybody <laughs> about like the argument i got in no that that's not that's not vulnerability so one of the things we teach is vulnerability is knowing what you have emotionally processed. So we all have had, you know, you know, mishaps or, you know, challenges or setbacks and all of that that happened. How have you emotionally processed that 
And then what can you share with the audience that you're speaking to about that experience? Because that's where the deep learning comes from. And that's where the connection comes from. Um, if, if you, if you're emotionally processing something, you're in a very deep, raw, vulnerable moment right now. Um, let, let's say you're going through a divorce and you're steeped in it, showing up to work every day and telling your team about your divorce is oversharing. That's not healthy vulnerability. So, you know, find the people in your life that are your, you know, your go-tos, um, that you can share those deep, raw, vulnerable things that you're still emotionally processing. But all the stuff that you have emotionally processed already, feel free to, you know, share the learnings from that with other people. So that's, that's kind of, I don't, hopefully that helps somebody with their like, okay, so emotionally processed stuff, good to share with the right audience, the raw, vulnerable stuff that you're going through right now, find the people that are honored to know you and can hold space for you and share it with them as you're emotionally processing it in the moment, if that makes sense. Oh my gosh, that is like a huge piece of clarity. Okay, good. Being vulnerable. Yeah, I love that. I'm just going to repeat it for the, you know, I'm going to say it louder for the people in the back. <laughs> vulnerability is is sharing something you've already processed. Yes. And you've had the emotional process, the reflection, yes. and now you are, you know, sharing the reflections of that process uh, versus oversharing, which is being in the moment of processing and just um, needing to vent or cry or, or share the emotions of that experience. And that is totally okay. Um, but if we're talking about how to use vulnerability from a leadership perspective, right. we're talking about the already process. That's right. Absolutely. I, I love that. I love it. Okay. Um, Natalie, this has been an amazing conversation. I, I know that uh, our listeners are going to eat it up and Brene lovers are going to eat it up. Um, tell us where people can find you, what you're working on, how they can locate you, hire you and experience your, your genius and brilliance. Oh, thank you. Um, so yeah, people can definitely find me on LinkedIn. Uh, under Natalie Dumond or go to my website, which is natalydumond.com. And um, what I'm working on and super passionate about it is coming down to communication in general. So I have two programs, uh, Courageous Conversations, which uh, I'm teaching people how to ju just receive feedback and, and or share feedback and, and be powerful within it. And then my latest and new program that I'm launching on June 21st, is called conscious conversations. So it's taking the work from courageous conversations to a deeper level. So we're going to be focusing on uh, trust building. We're going to be focused on a deeper sense of how to receive communication. We're going to be actually looking at the topic of forgiveness um, in that uh, as well, judgment, all of those areas that we can really struggle with when it comes to communicating effectively. So conscious conversations is launching on June 21st. And then I, I have my one-to-one -one coaching, which I work with a lot of female leaders called The Worthy Project, helping helping them stand in, in, in their confidence and their power sooner rather than later. And then of course, Dare to Lead. So I've got four programs that I work with uh, corporations all the time. And so I'd love to talk to anybody that has any questions about that and bring this work into your organization. Amazing. Thanks so much for joining us today and, and sharing your, your thoughts and your brilliance and all the secrets about Brene. 
Oh, <laughs> no problem. Thank you so much for having me. It's been my pleasure. Talk soon. Bye now. Thanks for joining us at Off the Whiteboard. We've had an amazing time with you here today. If you want to keep up to date with everything that At The Whiteboard podcast is doing, make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. You can also find us on Instagram at Whiteboard Consult or on our website at www.whiteboardconsulting.ca. Talk soon.